0: Just believe that there are times in life, and even as we're coming to this week, uh, y'all check this out. Uh, I'm a Snoopy fan. I have been all my life. I've got a Snoopy bank still today. I've got a Snoopy Peggy bank that, Piggy, Piggy, Peggy, Piggy bank. No offense, Peggy, but it's a Piggy bank, and uh, still got it today. But I like this. This is uh, Snoopy kind of of giving uh, uh, Woodstock. I always want to call him Chitwood for some reason. But uh, He said, on Thanksgiving, people eat turkeys. They also eat chicken and ducks and quail and pheasant. Thanksgiving is a bad time to be a bird. (laughs) Woodstock said, woof, woof, woof. He lost in his identity there, So. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 7 as uh, we continue where we were last week. And uh, we're going to actually probably get into the Christmas story some during this message. I felt like I just kind of had some direction on this thing when we started. And, uh, but again, I think this, this story here with John the Baptist is so important for us to recognize our, our life and even for the practical application of how we live this thing out. And, and as we read here, Luke 7, I read verses 18 through 23, I'm not going to read it all this morning, but, he, but, but John the Baptist basically saying, are, are you the one or do we need to look for somebody else? And uh, he sends his disciples and they ask Jesus, John wants to know, are you the, are you the one or, or is there another that we need to be looking for? Y'all remember, amen, right? Y'all remember last week we read it. And uh, again, if you're here this morning, first time. It's John basically saying, you know, I'm in this place and I thought you were the Messiah. I thought you were the hope. And the Bible says in verse 21, it says in that that very hour that Jesus cured many of infirmities of afflictions and evil spirits and to many blind, he gave sight. So Jesus answered John's disciples. He answered them and said to them, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard that the blind see and the lame walk, that the lepers are cleaned, they're cleansed, that the deaf hear, that the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And Jesus said this. Look at this last statement. He said, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That's that's a major statement there. I, I, I I started last week into this thought, and I said that, all of us, we can pretend, we can pretend as if uh, our lives and our confidence is unshakable, if we'd like to. But you know well as I do, the last eighteen months or so, life is life has been very uncertain. We can we can all agree together that, man, I, I can pretend that my faith is unshakable, that I, you know, that my my strength is unconquerable. But you know, the reality is, as every one of us. Have faced the reality that there are a lot of uncertainties I said it this way we 've been dropped in the wash pot of uncertainty. The uncertainties of our life they 're either drowning us or they are cleansing us. The things we 've been going through they are either helping us or they 're taking us under and again, every one of us have those places that we we have to deal with that we have to acknowledge because I said last week, there, there's a certain virtue that you find in your uncertainties, if, we, if I can say it that way. We, look, we don't always have to fake it till we make it. We can't acknowledge. You know, there are a lot of things in life that I'm dealing with that causes a lot of, of uncertainty. I, I said last week, you know, you really can't have anything that, that you have called faith until you have some questions. You don't have faith if you, it don't come with questions. I, I said this. I said last week. I said you got to understand that with doubts, that that doubts come, and and doubts are doubts are the reality. Establish a reality that if you doubt something, then you had to believe it to begin with. Does that make sense? All of us deal with it. All of us deal with uncertainty. And here we read about John the Baptist. He, he's got these uncertainties in his life, and. Again, you can't have real faith without questions, and, and, and that goes back to what James said. James said that there's times that you just count it all joy because you know that your faith is being tested. How many of you would say in your life you know what it is to have your faith tested? If you don't, then I, I'd say that you have to look at what, what do you really believe? Because again, there are times in your life that you realize that faith is a requirement for your life as a follower of Jesus. Jesus, look, God refuses to give you a life where faith is not necessary. Why? Because you don't please God without faith. You have to say and and, and actually live out a life that proves that you trust him. Right. And I just believe that that in that we find that there's certain things about our life that we can say, man, there are just too many unknowns. I said it last week. There's a there's a place in your life. There's just there's just things that you don't know. You don't even know that you don't know what you don't know, right? We've been figuring that out, hadn't we? With the with the COVID, we, there are things that I mean we don't even know that we don't know that 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 we don't know what we don't know. I mean you go on and on, couldn't you? I mean there just continues to be these layers that just continue to be peeled back, and there's so many unknowns and. And again, in all these uncertainties, I think that we have to realize that our uncertainties and our, and our doubts uh, that, that confront us, that many times they are used by the enemy to cause us to live in this kind of fear, or even at its worst to kind of subtly move us to a place that it's not just the doubt that we're experiencing, now we're slipping into unbelief. And I think this morning, one of the things I must come for is this, just as John is on the precipice, he's on the premise, he's on the edge of slipping beyond, beyond doubts, he's about to slip into unbelief. And I said this last week, there's a difference in doubt and unbelief. Unbelief is you seeing and choosing not to believe. And John is at that place that he's he 's at that place that he's easily he would easily slip in not to just having doubts, but he would easily slip into that place of unbelief and every one of us have have dealt with that we We can slip into unbelief right and I think there's some things that we can just look at even this morning, and i 'll get back to the story of John the Baptist just in just a moment but but i got we got to make sure that we're not dealing with unbelief that we distinguish between doubt and unbelief. And I just believe that that these are the warning signs that that we maybe can carry with us from this time that we see these warning signs about unbelief and what it really is. Because here are the questions, because life always has questions, but here's the things I think you need to consider. Number one is when you begin to question your future. See, when you begin to question your future, you've moved beyond doubt. Because now you don't believe that he has your future in his hand. Now, now you're choosing to say, you know what, I know what it says, but I don't know if I believe that or not. You know, we say things like this, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Well, if you've got Jesus living in your heart and life, you can know one thing, you can rest assured. It may not look like it, it may not feel like it, but you can know one thing. You are going to make it come hell or high water. You are going to make I just believe there's a place in your life that you've got you to be aware of that. That I mean, all of us deal with it. We question things. You know, we've we got this little Christianese that we use all the time. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's so, some of you know it, right? You know that. You know that, that we know that we can, we can live life. And we, we say it sometimes. It's just a matter of whether we believe it. That, that I don't have to live in a place that, but I know the thoughts that he has for me and the thoughts of good and not evil. Yes. That that he has thoughts, that he has a plan for my life and thoughts of, of, of good and a future and a hope. So either that's more than just my little Christianese and my little religious jargon, or I really believe that. My future is secure in Christ. That I know that regardless of what I'm going through right now, that I, so you see what I'm saying? When you begin to question your future, you got to know one thing. Your future is secure in Christ. That Jesus has you. He has you. He has your back. He has your today and he has your tomorrow. That we see that as a reality in our life. Second thing I think that we see is this. When we begin to question when you begin to question your resources, see, it's easy for us to, again, to kind of border on that unbelief because, you know, we question our resources with things and we say things like this, I, I, I just kind of intimidated this one a little bit. I'm just, I, I, I can't give because I won't have enough. So there he goes after our money, you know, I, I'm, I'm just saying that if that's my mind and my heart, I'm not living in doubt, I'm living in unbelief because I don't really believe the word as it has been declared over my life. I don't believe that, that really, that, that God can take care of all of my resources, God can always make sure that I don't, I don't really believe that when I sow bountifully that I'll reap bountifully. So I don't really believe that I slip into that place when I question the resources of my life, when I don't think there's enough and I have to hold on rather than letting go. I didn't mean to teach on money. I mean, Thanksgiving Sunday, this is supposed to be a time we just kind of come in and relax on the turkey and all. I'm I'm just saying that I believe there's a place that you have to recognize that you're slipping into unbelief when you begin to question God and his resources in your life. Malachi chapter 3, and I'm not going to. Take a whole lot of time on it, but Malachi, the Old Testament, the the, the the word says it this way: It says, "Now you bring your tithe into the storehouse, a tenth of every dollar that lands in your hand. You bring it into your spiritual storehouse." Let me say this, just as a as kind of kind of a just to set you at ease: If this is not your church, if this is not your storehouse. then then I'm not talking to you right now. But if this is your spiritual storehouse where you draw spiritual food from, then your tithe belongs to the Lord right here. We're getting ready to do the budget right now for 2022. And I got news for you. God has us. Everything we have need of, God has this body of believers. And, and the fact is, is is whether you whether you obey God and believe him at his word or not is not affecting the promise that God has for us. I'm just saying that for your good, not my good. Y'all look at him be kind of hard this morning. Y'all all right. I'm just saying that, that there's a place that if you're not careful, you can slip into unbelief when you begin to question the resources of your life. Because in Malachi it says this, God said, you bring your tithe to the storehouse and you watch what I do. I'll fling open the windows of heaven and I'll pour out blessing in your life that you cannot even contain. I'm saying that when we believe God at his word, we know that God is a God of always, of more than enough. And when I make statements about not making it, when I make statements about not having enough, I'm actually actually revealing my heart that I don't believe God's word. Uh, there's another question. Question about when you question your provision. You say, What's the difference? Well, I think there's a place that you understand that the provision of heaven is more than just about the resources of stuff. It's more than just about material wealth. How many of you are glad this morning to know that? that God has provided. And, and again, when, when, it, when, it, when we make statements about our lives and we just we don't know that God provided for us, then again, we, 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 if we're not careful, we're moving into unbelief. Like when I say, well, I just, I'm getting sick. And I, come on, some of us are bad. We're looking for the next sickness. We're waiting for the next disease. We, come on, I, I'm just saying that God help us realize that that is a statement of our unbelief. When we're just looking for what's wrong next, we, we fail to realize our provision. When, when, I, when I think, when I, when I live a life and I, th- I make statements like, I just, I hope I make it to heaven, you don't realize his provision. Because again, his provision is when I believed on him, he gave me eternal life. In that moment, we know that he bore our sins. First Peter 2 says that we know that he bore all of our sins. He's provided for a covering and in that he has made me the righteousness of God through his son, Jesus. So I know that everything I have need of, he has provided. See, when I, when I know that provision is there, I know that again, first Peter two 24, it says there, it says, and by his stripes, we were healed. Say, am I saying that you never get sick? No, I'm not saying that you don't have the symptoms of sickness, but I know my provision and I may not feel. I may not feel so good. Look at your neighbor and say, "You don't look so good right now." Not not really. Just I, you know, you may not look so good. But what I'm saying is this: When you begin to question what the Word of God plainly declares as a provision for your life, when you begin to declare what you feel and what you see. You get stuck in the place that you're questioning, and actually, what the Scripture makes plain is already provided for. I'll just be honest; I don't understand why everybody don't get well. I don't understand that. I'm uncertain sometimes. You know, I've seen people get miraculously healed. I've told the story. of My buddy years ago in Greenwood had lymphoma. Doctors told him, "said You'll be a dead man in six months." He said, doesn't matter, I'm not taking the chemo. Believe God's my provider. Come back into the office, I cursed at him, said, you'll be a dead man. Said, you're a fool. He said, well, I may be, but I'm alive in Christ. He said, I believe the Lord's healing me. Now, again, the Lord had spoken directly to him. And some 27 years later, he finally died. I'm just saying there's a place that you understand there's provision. And sometimes we live outside of what God's word has already established in our life. Third thing is when we question our identity. See, I'm just saying that we know there's a place in our life that if we're not careful, we slip right into that that unbelief. When you question your identity, some people think that the natural matters more than the physical. But you know well as I do that we know who we are in Christ. We're supposed to. But when we begin to question ourselves... Here's how we do that. Here's how it looks. It's when we, we look at ourselves in the natural and we, the weight of our natural, our, our natural DNA carries more weight than our spiritual DNA. Are y'all with me? You know, it's when we look at ourselves and see ourselves in the mirror and catch only the reflection of our, our natural daddy. And don't catch the reflection of our spiritual father. Because the Bible tells me that now I cry out, I'm a father. I have a new identity. The Bible tells me that I don't regard myself only after the flesh anymore. When I look in the mirror, come on, some of y'all, you know what I'm talking about. When you look at the natural, I mean, I know some of you. I know some of you. I know who you are in the natural. I know all your tendencies in the natural. But somewhere or another I have to move beyond your nature, your only, your natural self. Somewhere I have to see you in the identity that you carry in Christ. Some of you look at it this way. My family had it and I guess I got it. Well, you don't realize you've received, come on, you, you, you received a blood transfusion when you believed on Jesus. You don't only have the natural DNA, you got the spiritual DNA. The Bible says that now I'm, a, I'm an heir of God and I'm a joint heir with Christ. I look just like my heavenly father. You say, well, I don't look like it to me. Well, you just regarded too much after my flesh. You need to see beyond. My identity is not only based in who I am in the natural. Now I have an identity in Christ. Now I belong to the father of, of all hosts. I, I live and I, I belong. I, I, li- I have the identity of my heavenly father. And it's so important that we recognize. So again, a lot of you, I guess we know this already, but the fact is, is we know each other, don't we? And sometimes if we're not careful, we're only caught in that place of, of our identity in this, in this flesh. I told him, you know, when, you know, if I only see you, if I only see you as Rodney or I, I only, I only see you as Rachel or. I only see you in yourself, in your natural self, then I might miss out on the fact of who you really are in Christ and pick up the identity of the man of God that you are, the woman of God that you are. I may not realize, I I live with this lady all the time. I know her in the natural. But I also see the fact that the reality is she's 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 a great woman of God. She's not just my wife that I know in the natural. There's a gift of God on her life that now she carries because she is a daughter of the living God that she carries. I know some, I, again, I, I said it this morning, a lot of you know Kevin. He's the guy that's helping me this morning, Kevin Brown. He, a lot of you know him after the natural. And I know him after the natural, but I also understand that in that, because he's a follower of Jesus, he's a great man of God. He's a man of faith. He's a man of men. He can, he's, there's an anointing on his life. He, look, he has to deal with me as, as a natural man. We, we, we deal with stuff together in the natural. Stuff like when we're together, sometimes we play games. He has to deal with a natural man who when he's not winning will throw cornhole bags at him. <laughs> Say bad stuff to him. But then he has to be in the place that I, he receives the word of God because it's the man of God and not just my uncle that throws beanbags at me and says bad things to me am I making any sense see there's a place that your identity has to be your identity has to be when you question who you are in Christ then you sell yourself short of all that God has in mind and in the DNA that he's grafted you in the vine all that he has in mind for your life you you limit yourself back to John real quick we're dedicating babies here in just a minute but but again, I want you to see that there's a place. Again, John is at that place that, that he has questions. He's uncertain. Again, there's some great declarations he's made about what he, what he believes. He's the Lamb of God. He said Jesus is the Lamb of God. There, there are great declarations that even Jesus makes about him. There are no, none born greater than John the Baptist. But, but now he's in a different place, isn't he? Yeah. He's in prison. He's a few days away from execution, and again, I said, said it this way: John is now staring down the uh, the barrel of uncertainty. Are you there? If you're not, you will be. Where there are just certain things that you're not sure of. John, John is saying, you know, I thought he was the one, but now I need, I need to ask: Are you really the one, or I need to look for somebody else? This isn't working out like I thought it would, Jesus. I mean, I had in mind that I was going to be like at least a secretary of state or something. And, and now I, I'm here and you don't even have the authority to get me out of jail. If you hadn't been there, you will be. Things are not sure. Things are not certain. I've said it, they're questions, they're fears. But when you're in that place, I just want to leave you with These thoughts. Four questions. And you can take a picture of them all at one time when I finish. But I'm just saying, there are four questions I want you to ask when it comes to you living in that place of uncertainty. Number one is this What is it that limits you? What is it that limits you? What is it that has got you at a place? For John, it was something out of his control. He's in prison. Right? I'm asking this morning. What are your places that causes limits for you to not be able to maybe see or understand? What are the things that limit you? Let me ask it this way: Is there anything else you can do? Y'all all right? Y'all kind of grown quiet on me. Is I'm just asking if you know there's something else that you can do. The Bible says the man who knows to do it and don't do it do it it is sin. The man who knows to do right and don't do it is sin. So it may be that you're at a place of uncertainty just because there are things on the checklist that you refuse to take care of. I'm just saying that that, that maybe there's a place in our life that we realize, I mean, there are times in life that you're in a place that you are just limited. Your your resources or, or, or your capacities or your situation has just very much limited you. You ever been there? I'm just saying that maybe John's at that place. He's done everything that he can do. Aren't you glad that when we fight with the devil... And the devil don't like you, by the way. Aren't you glad that you know that in that moment that when you're in this resistance, when you're in this place of uncertainty, aren't you glad that there's a time that Paul said in Ephesians 6, he said, you got to know one thing. You're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but you're wrestling against principalities and powers. So now you just take on the full armor of God. How many of you every day you take on the helmet of salvation? You take on the shield of faith. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. Every day you do everything you know to do. But aren't you glad that even then, Paul made it clear, there are times that even then in the fight that there's nothing else you can do but stand. He said, therefore, stand. Stand with your loins, girded with truth. There's a time that you find that in your life, That everything about your life, it may be going crazy, it may be so unsure, it may be so uncertain, but there's a time that you have to do everything you know to do and just take it on and stand. Stand on the truth. Stand on the Word of God. Stand on what God said to you. Stand on that promise that you know He gave you a long time ago. You stand. When you don't know what else to do, you've done, you've exhausted everything you know to do. And let me back up and say it one more time. If there are things that you know you ought to do, then what are you waiting on? That's the limit of your life. But if you've done everything that you know to do, you can hold on. I don't know of my kids. I'm telling you, they're going to be all right. Why? Because the word of God has given us, he's given us a promise that every, every home. Good. Yeah. Hallelujah. I just believe in our life, the questions that we have, again, that's settle us. Look, number two is this. What, what are the real issues? Again, when it comes to your uncertainties, what are your real issues? What is the situation that you are in that you would not like it to be that way? John's in prison. His life's under threat. I'm just asking you, are there real issues that you're dealing with? Let me say it this way. Maybe John is making more of it than it really is. It's kind of unfair, isn't it? But I'm going to say it anyway. Maybe John's making more of it than it really is. I mean, he's in prison. He knows that more than likely he's going to be executed. But come on, John. They're going to decapitate you, but you're going to live forever. (laughs) I mean, they're getting ready. You're going to die an awful death, John. But I'm just, come on. Maybe he's making more out of it than it really is. (laughs) You thought your situation was bad. I'm asking you this morning that as we look at our life and say, well, these, all these things, I've got doubts, I've got these uncertainties. Again, we're going to make sure that we don't slip in unbelief, but I'm just asking you with me, what what are the real issues? Maybe John was working himself up over something that, that wasn't even that bad after all. I'm saying that about John, but I'm saying it to you as well. How many of us really work ourselves over about, uh, up about something over something that really, if we look at it for what it really is? I mean, it's seven years in a row. Y'all remember Fear of the Thumb, don't you, Carolina fans? Y'all remember Fear of the Thumb, five, seven years in a row. But is it really all that bad? Your day's coming. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. That's a cheap shot. But I'm just saying, just saying. I've said this recently, but let me say it again. I think that sometimes we've got to look at our situation and the things we're all worked up about, really and truly, uh, is it really worth? I mean, we get politics, don't we? Get worked up. Okay, I'm the only one. I can feel it. I'm the only one. I get worked up over political issues. Either way. But are we making it more than it should be? I said it a couple of weeks ago. Hey, honey, look at me. Look at me. Everybody look at me. We're living in a no drama zone. (laughs) Drama free zone right here. Amen. We're not going to make stuff out of nothing. Next thing, just a question. John, just send John the word. Just get him the message. Just let him know. Here's the question. What is going on around you? I'm asking for our sake this morning as we look at John, what are the things that are going on around you? I mean, I'm asking you just look around you and see what God has done. That's what, that's what Jesus told John. He said, John, if you're, all, if you're all tore up about this thing, if you're wondering who I am, just take a look. <laughs> the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing, the lepers being cleansed. And by the way, I raised a couple from the dead. So just if you need to look around a little bit, maybe you ought to just take note of what's going on. Because if you see the things that are going on, you'll know that I'm still God. Yes. I am the one you've been looking for. And I can say the same to you. You say, well, Pastor, that'd be great if I could see somebody raised from the dead. Then I would really believe. But I'll ask you one question. Have you looked around lately? Some of you should have already been dead. You have been raised from the dead. So I know some of you rascals. I know where you come from. I know what God has done. I know the things that God has restored to you. Now, I'm just saying if we really would be honest, we like John. John, you just got to look around at your life. You know good and well, she should have already left your hide. <laughs> he should have already give up on you. But aren't you glad that we serve a God who is able to save us? I mean, he saved you. Look, he delivered you. I'm looking at somebody. He spared you. My God, he spared you time after time. You should, you should have been out of here. Somebody should have given up on you a long time ago. But aren't you glad there's a God in heaven who is, Brandon said it earlier, who is rich in his mercy. Aren't you glad that God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting where you didn't get what you deserve because the fact is some of you have acted up enough. I ain't pointing out anybody. I'm just saying some of you acted up enough, you were bad enough, you were rascal enough, you were sorry enough that if, that if the devil would have got his opportunity, you'd have been taken out of here a long time ago. But God in his mercy saw you where you are and the weakness of your life and the unbelief of your life, and he saw you there and he said, I got a plan, I got a place, I got a future. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, Hallelujah. I just wonder if somebody testify this morning. When I look around, I see everything that God has done, and I stand amazed that he has kept me. I said it last week. When we look at the restoring work of Calvary, yeah. Thank you. because finally I, I finished with this. Come on. I finished with this. I ask this question. What is it going to take to settle you? I just ask the question. Now, if you got your phone, take it out real quick. you got four questions there. I want you to take time this week, and I want you to look at this time and again. I want you to take it out of your phone and just look at it. Because, again, sometimes you just have to really ask, you know, what will it take to settle me? Jesus said it this way to John. You look around, John. And by the way, by the way, John, in all your uncertainties, I know you got questions. I said it last week. Aren't you glad that he dealt with him in healing and restoration instead of condemnation? He said, John, he said, blessed is the man who's not offended because of me. Blessed is the man who's in a place that they're not sure that they're uncertain. Blessed is the man who, who don't understand what God's doing in his life, but he's still not offended. You ever been there? What about, what, about, what about in church life? Sometimes You know, there are times that sometimes Christians, other believers can do things you don't understand. Other people that are saved on the way to heaven, supposedly, Jesus said blessed is the man he's at a place that he don't understand he's uncertain but blessed is the man that's not offended because of the situation that he's in that he don't understand that he has questions because somewhere somehow you have to settle the fact that Jesus really is more than enough that he's enough I'm talking to somebody right now. There are people in this room that you have to realize that somewhere Jesus is enough. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, he's telling the story of how he's been taken up into the third heaven, and he's had these great revelations from God. He said, I've been set in such high places spiritually. He said, there are times that if I'm not careful, I get prideful because I realize God did something in my life that was so far beyond. That I'll think better of myself than I should. He said, "But one thing God has done in my life has kept me at a place of uncertainty." Here's how it goes. He said, "You know, I've I've seen all this stuff, and it's easy for me to be lifted up in pride." But he said, "I've noticed one thing that that God's allowed a thorn in my flesh." Y'all remember the story? He said. God has allowed a thorn in my flesh and I don't understand it because I prayed and asked God and nothing happens. And I prayed and asked God and nothing happens. And I, I just wonder if there's anybody that's prayed and nothing happened in the room. And he said, every time I pray, he said, nothing happens. But then he heard the Lord. And he said, Paul, even though you're not sure why you got this and people don't know what Paul really was dealing with, a lot of people say it's a health issue or... He was almost blind. He couldn't see. But in all of his crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't know why. I'm not sure. Why is this happening? He said, finally, the Lord told him and said, Paul, just be sure of one thing. My grace is enough. It's enough. I finished with this story I picked up from Max Alcato, but it's... Like this, that you and I and some others have chartered a plane to fly across the country. And as we get up into a certain height, all of a sudden the the engine, we look out and the engine burst into flames and the pilot burst out of the door and says we're going to crash. We've all got to bail out. It's a good thing that he knows what to do because we don't. It's a good thing he knows where the parachutes are because we don't. So we all line up at the door and he pushes open the door, and first guy's standing there, and he said, could I ask one question? He said, sure, but quick, what is it? He said, is there any way I can get a pink parachute? The pilot shakes his head and unbelief and said, isn't it enough that I give you a parachute at all? Does it have to be pink? Pushes him out the door. The second guy stands up and steps in line, and, and as he's at the door, he said, I'm wondering... Sir, is there any way that you can ensure that I won't be nauseated during this fall? He said, no, but I can ensure you that you have a parachute for this fall. Every one of us, as we're moving closer, we got questions one guy stops and says, Captain, please, can I ask? He said, I'm afraid of heights. Will you remove my fear of heights before I jump? And he said, no, but I'll give you a parachute out the door. Another guy stands up and says, hey, can, I, can we just change the plans? Let's just crash with the plane. Maybe we'll survive. Who knows? I don't want to jump. Pilot looked at him and said, you don't even know what you're asking. shoves him out the door. Working something better. The others step up and say, Can I have a pair of goggles? Or another wants a set of boots for the landing. Another wants to wait to the ground to that close to the ground before he jumps. And the pilot just shakes his head and said, Y'all don't you don't even understand. You don't really know what you're asking for. And as one by one, as he as he helps us out, helps us out. He said, I've given you a parachute, and that is enough. That's enough. I'm getting ready to take this leap of faith to trust God. And God said, I gave you Jesus, I gave you a cross, I gave you an empty tomb, and you may not be certain about some of the things you're going through, but it's enough. You got a future, you got a hope, you've got eternity. It is enough, it is enough, it is enough. I believe there are probably people in this room this morning that you're not certain. You may be at a place, you've got all kinds of questions. You're not the first. You may be trying to figure God out. You're not not the only one. But let me say this to you. Look at me. Look at me, everybody, eyeball to eyeball for a minute. He is enough. You may not understand him or you may not know her, but but he's enough. And If you'll trust him, you know this well as I do, that God will work this thing for your good. He'll turn it all around. I told the story this morning of when we were just a few months away from coming to this assignment here at Beach Springs, our life assignment. I was on my way to work one morning real early, and it wasn't even daylight really, and and something stepped out in front of me that I still to this day believe it was a a demonic presence. That's the only—I know I I don't spiritualize or sensationalize, but whatever stepped out in front of me was the most hideous thing I've ever seen in my life. And for the next six months after that happened that morning, for the next six months, everything in hell— I felt like came after us. There were things that I went through and that we went through. And I called two different times to tell the leader of, of this organization and said, take my name out. I ain't going to Beach Springs. And by the grace of God, even though I knew God had spoke to me directly about I was about to move into unbelief that said, God, you can't take care of me. And I'm just saying that with where you are, hell itself may have come after you, but you know one thing, what the enemy meant for evil to take you down, God will flip that thing and he'll use it for good. <laughs> yes. If you've questioned God, you've questioned the people of God, you're uncertain about your situation, just know one thing, he's always enough. Father, in the name of Jesus We believe you today that you are always a God that provides us everything that we have need of. And I ask you for every person in this room today.